Well, welcome again to another episode here of us talking about discipleship in a common space. And if you're new to us, we're glad that you come and join us. If you've been with us, you know uh, that our intent is to be able to have a dialogue about being with God in a way that feels um, normal. It's maybe a way to say it. Uh, just what do I mean by that? It's a way that fits into your life uh, and uh, fits into the way that you normally live. So if discipleship is just something you do, like you go to church, you read a Bible, study, uh, you do a small group, then the other times that you're not doing that, maybe discipleship doesn't enter your mind. But what we want it to be is something that is a part of your being so that no matter what you're doing, it's part of who you are. And we really believe that the idea comes from just God himself and Jesus saying, abide in me and I'll abide in you, that we have this relationship with God in a way that is more than what we do. It's just about being with him. But then things flow out of that and there should be some true evidence of that. And so sometimes we talk more about being with God. Other times we talk more about uh, the evidence of us being with God and how it flows out. And uh, our intent is just to be able to have these conversations that maybe help you as you're listening, whatever you're doing, if you're studying in school, maybe you're driving to work, maybe you're just sitting at home or uh, whatever you may be doing, to process what does that look like? How does that uh, be a part of my everyday rhythm? Again, if you're new, uh, my name is Pastor Dan Hertzler. I'm the pastor at uh, Manor or a church uh, in Manor, PA called Refuge Church. Uh, And with me, I have two guys always. I'm Mike. And I'm Ryan. And uh, these guys are uh, also helping in some of this dialogue and discussion. And so for the past few weeks, we've been really looking at uh, stories that captivate us about God. We really believe that the idea of being captivated by God uh, is an important part of the discipleship process. It's not just um, learning more information. It's not just uh, cranking out your devotions and checking off the list, but really letting your heart, your soul, your your mind be captivated by God. And we've been looking at the Old Testament. So we've been asking these guys, um, two weeks ago, Mike shared about the story of Exodus. Last week, uh, Ryan shared about the story of Abraham and Isaac and just how that story captivated them and, and then uh, how that plays out into the regular discipleship. And so uh, we want that to be a regular part too of, of, of how you uh, have this relationship with Jesus and following him is the stories that captivated him. And the Old Testament is a part of that. The Old Testament isn't just some moral stories we learn as kids. It isn't just uh, these good characters that we should try to be like, but it's a story about God revealing himself over and over again and foreshadowing who Christ is and the coming Messiah that is coming. And so um, the, the Old Testament has so much richness and depth, so much great understanding if we take it and look at it from that lens. And so that's what we're trying to do. And uh, this episode, uh, I've got the chance to be able to share a, a story that, that captivates me, one that uh, captivates me in, in a lot of different parts. But it's uh, the story of Elijah. And the first uh, part of it is found in First Kings 18. When uh, Elijah comes up and he does this challenge with the worshipers of Baal about who can bring fire down onto Mount Carmel. And um, I'm a guy that kind of grew up with sports and grew up very competitive. And there's a there's a part of this story that I just kind of find fascinating. It's the it's the part where Elijah is just 
basically talking trash, uh, you yeah. know, kind of <laughs> smack talking to, to these guys about their gods and, compared to his God. And, and it's almost like, you know, hey, wake them up. Maybe they're sleeping. Maybe you have to try harder. I mean, he's just he's just kind of mocking them. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that that's necessarily something we're just, okay, because Elisha did in this moment, therefore I'm allowed to do it at a sporting event or I'm allowed to do it if I'm playing on the field. I would say 99% of the time when you do that, uh, it's not coming from a godly perspective. Uh, it's something that you've got to kind of look at and say, okay, that doesn't really reflect Christ. But still, this story is, is just fascinating to me. And when you look at it in the context of, you know, this period of time, they were going through a drought. And when it's Elijah's turn, he goes ahead and pours buckets upon um, you know, the altar here. And, and it's all in this moment because of this amazing view that he has of, of God versus the way he sees the other gods. And I think that's the part that I really find, first of all, just fascinating. You know, uh, whether we identify idols in our lives or whether we identify other gods in our lives, uh, the reality is we all have them. Uh, there's something in our lives that we turn to uh, that we view will give us identity, that will give us uh, hope for a better tomorrow, that will comfort us in our times of sorrow. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we can see that in our society, whether you look at the, the rampant use of, of pornography, uh, the rampant use of, of drugs or alcoholism, the idea of greed and money, uh, pleasures and entertainment celebrity culture, even sports itself, over and over, all these different things. Even now, I think political things can fall into that. We turn to these things, and we think they are going to give us what we need. And Elijah, in this moment, demonstrates how superior God is than the other gods. And that is something that we really have to be captivated by if we're going to keep being drawn back to God. Am I more captivated by God or the other things in my life? And do I really think those other things can really do what God can only do? And in this story, I think that's something that really catches my attention. Uh, Mike, you know, as you hear that story, you understand that story. Um, you know, what are some thoughts that go through your mind? I mean, I think about the people. I think about, um, again, we, we look at these showdowns and, and things that can happen in scripture and it's like, eh, here's this guy that's standing off against 450, um, yeah. prophets and a King, but this is in a nation of thousands. Um, and so here's a guy who, again, God used to prophesy the drought. And so he's probably the most hated man, but also yeah. the most respected, like they want to kill him, but they won't touch him because, he said no rain. Now maybe if he says rain, there'll be rain, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and but I, I think about the people and how they must have been on the edge of their seat. They probably got bored after a while in the beginning, yeah. right? That's kind of some of what's read into the story, but because they're looking for rain and they're not just looking for it. It's not like it was like, okay, Baal's our God. And then there's also God, like they were trying to worship both, mostly Baal, yeah. but Baal was also the God of like specifically fertility and rain and, and yeah. just that agri in an agrarian type of culture. And so like Elijah is coming into Baal's house essentially and saying, all right, let's see it. Yeah. Like put up or shut up. Let's go. Yeah. Like you bring yours, I'll bring mine. Let's see it. Yeah. And the amount of, like you talked about the drought and him pouring the water. 
belief that it must have taken from the people, even Hmm. King Ahab himself, to pour that water on there to see, all right, you can't do it. We're going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. But all right. And then the response afterwards. Yeah. They, they see, they listen to Elijah. He said, now pull it, like grab him, kill him. Even Ahab, like it almost seems like Ahab is like this close to like turning it around. Cause he's like, I can see it. Mm-hmm. I really think they just wanted the rain. I think they just wanted to be like saved and continue to live their life. Yeah. But to just see the posture of the people in the midst of that story, it's baffling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, these, these are our stories of real people. Right. Um, they aren't. You know, uh, you know, we've said this before, but they aren't really much different than us. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes we look at these stories and we think, oh, well, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do this. And that's kind of what I was trying to get at was like, what, what would I be doing mm. in that situation if I was mm-hmm. the person? Because, again, it's easy. And we talked about this over the last couple of weeks. It's easy to be like, well, if I was in the Bible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you're not. And you're on this side of the new Testament and your life is still not always great. So yeah. I can tell you what you would do if you were in the Bible. Cause I yeah. know what I would do if I was in the Bible, yeah. I would probably fail yeah. because that's what I still do. And, and to just put myself in that, what would I do? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Would and, I be one of the prophets of Baal? I don't know. Right. And, and to have the faith that I think, you know, Elijah demonstrates here mm-hmm. and to, to, you know, we, we see that quite a bit in the old Testament, whether yeah. it's David and Goliath or whether it's, you know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, um, you know, it, it's the idea that I have faith that God is who he says he is. And, and Elisha's yeah. demonstrating that. Yeah. And, you know, I think I saw in my mind as you guys were talking this, this parallel with kind of the, the boldness, you know, the faith, the, you know, Elijah being unashamed of, of, of the God of, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, and he's standing there and he's doing this, you know, and it's a demonstration of, of God's power. You know, my mind went to when Paul says, you know, I am for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is yeah. the power of God unto salvation, yeah. you know, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But it was just in my mind thinking that power is the same power of the gospel. Yeah. And, and Elijah, as he's there, you know, unashamed, you know, just doing the thing is, is truly, I think what, what God is calling us the same confidence, the same faith to have in his gospel, not our presentation of it, not Elijah's presentation of what he did, but of the power of God, you know? And, And for me, it's like so often, you know, if I'm like, you know, talking to someone or whatever, feel like the Lord's maybe nudging me to talk to someone. I'm just like, Jesus, help me not to be ashamed of your gospel. Mm. You know, whether I'm going to share the gospel with them or just talk to them, but it's like, I, I don't want to be ashamed of you. Help me not to be. That's good. You know, and, and part of this story um, that really captivates me is is how it continues. Mm. So so you read in First uh, Kings 18, and, and you think, man, look at Elijah, look at this amazing guy. And then you start reading in chapter 19. And man, this has, this part in chapter 19, I think has had some of the most greatest impact on me wow. in ministry over the last, you know, 20 some years that, that I've been in ministry. Uh, it's the fact that right after this, Jezebel uh, basically puts a hit out on uh, Elijah and Elijah f- flees. So uh, he has this great mountaintop moment with at Mount Carmel, this great experience, this wonderful demonstration. And then the next moment he flees and, and he heads into the wilderness. He heads into the, in the sense, the desertness. He gets so discouraged. He gets to the point that he basically says, God, take my life away. Mm. And, um, 
you know, this is a whole nother study. We don't really have the time to look at it, but <laughs> you think about how often people in the Bible had said, Lord, I don't want to live anymore. Um, I know I've talked to people that have gotten to that point uh, in depression or whether it's a s- other situation or just suicidal thoughts. Uh, and we, we aren't uncommon to what people went through the Bible. Uh, people had felt like they had gotten so despaired or so down that they didn't want to live anymore. And you think about that uh, here, just a, a chapter before this amazing thing happened. You think, you know, Elijah would just be floating on the clouds. You think mm-hmm. he'd be having everything working out, everything going his way. And then uh, it's like the rug got pulled right out of him. He, he's, he's in this moment. And, and what I love about this moment is God in his tenderness for Elijah just provides a, a broom tree for him to sleep under for the night. Mm-hmm. Yep. He doesn't give them all the answers. Like you, we're, we're going to see here in a moment all the story kind of played out. We're going to see the end result of this. But in that moment, and I tell people in that time when they're in despair or they're at that feeling of just the end or they don't know what to do, I say, just let's figure out the next thing to do. Hmm. And that's what God is doing right here, saying, look, Elijah, I, I see you. I care for you. I'm going to give you the next thing. Mm-hmm. And the next thing is just a tree. Mm-hmm. It's for you to get a night's sleep. And then the same thing wakes up and he's feeling the same way. And the next thing he gives him enough food to continue the journey. So there's the next step. And then eventually he ends up in the cave and we'll just kind of jump right into it. But, you know, in the cave, he's, he's, he's waiting for God to reveal. He's waiting for God for him to understand. And God, you know, sends this, this, this fire and this earthquake and this wind. And and in all this big moments, Elijah's like, God's not there. And and we all get that moment where we want the big things Mm -hmm. that God show up in. And then, it was the little whisper that God gave to Elijah. It was the, the stillness of the whisper that God said, this is what's going on, Elijah. You are not alone. I am doing things that you don't understand. Yeah. I have this whole other group of remnant people that I'm protecting and keeping that are going to be with you. And you just need to keep trusting me, even in your despair, even in this moment that you don't fully grasp or understand, even in your darkest of days. And so this story, you've got the high, you've got the low, you've got the tenderness of God, you've got how does God speak, you've got God doing things we don't understand. I mean, this story, it just, it wraps everything up. And so, um, you know, what do you guys think as, as this story continues? So I, I say, um, just as a preface to my thoughts, and I've talked about this a little bit on here before, that I'm someone that has dealt with uh, just the different areas of depression in my own life. And God has done different things in that that he hasn't done for some of my friends that deal with the same thing. And I don't yeah. know why. Um, doesn't mean I'm any better. doesn't mean I'm any more loved. That's not true. Um, and at one point in college is where, and again, I shared some of this, like the suicidal tendencies really kind of came up. And yeah. so, um, uh, again, just kind of echoing what, what pastor Dan said, it, it's not, um, uh, there's always hope yeah. mm. and God sees you in those moments. Um, and, and so don't like, if you're struggling, like, please talk to somebody. I know that's the hardest part. If you just do that, like, please just start the conversation. Um, and so what I would say that I see in that, um, and that I love seeing from God is, um, I kind of see two things in that story. One is that God sees Elijah 
And I think he saw him when he was sleeping under yeah. the, the tree. Yeah. Um, and then when he, what's it, he gets up and then he eats again and he tells him, go back to sleep again. Yeah. Like get some more rest. Yeah. And, um, and I think he sees him. I think he really sees him. But the other thing that I think is interesting is whenever he, Elijah is in the cave and again, the earth, wind and fire come. Yeah. Elijah doesn't even react. Yeah. It wasn't even like he was looking for God in the midst of it. Like he doesn't even react. And as soon as he hears the whisper, yeah. he immediately racks and covers his face and walks out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because Elijah saw God too. Yeah. And I think Elijah knew who God was. And I think that when he cried out to him, it, it's a dark moment. It's a dark moment of despair. And I'm not trying to invalidate anybody's experience, but I think Elijah felt so alone there. And I think God saw him in that place. And again, he encourages him just like you said and everything, but I love what God does. Then if you continue the story, he then brings Elisha. So he gives him a companion and a helper right away. But that is basically the tail end of Elijah's earthly ministry. And God doesn't let him die. He doesn't grant that, that request that, that that some pastors call it that suicidal type thing, but instead takes him up into a chariot into life eternal. Yeah. And, and just that whole, in in that reality of man, I see you and I, and I, I see you, I see what you're asking for. That's not going to happen, but I can see the pain that you're going through. And I just want you to know that I see you and I'm going to meet you in this place. And as soon as he hears the whisper, he immediately reacts because Elijah had been walking with God. Yeah. He knew who God was. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Right. Yeah. To to me, you know, it's, it's just, uh, finding that, you know, like I, I've never truly experienced that level of like depression, you know, so it's something for me that I, I personally, you know, I want to be able to empathize with, I want to be able to, you know, I try to, but, um, you know, for me, it's come more of just like little waves of, you know, just waking up and just feeling really off, you know, or just, just feeling anxious or just things are just not well. Um, you know, and for me, it just always seems like Jesus seems to change something in me that changes everything about the situation that I'm going through without even changing the situation, if that makes sense. Like the situation is the same, but you know, for me, it has come from times where it's like, I've just gotten away with the Lord and, you know, just felt the heaviness upon me. And, and, and it's just, maybe it's something in the word, like a passage or something, just like even two words, you know, or something just come to my mind. It's like, I, I know that's him, you yeah. know, I know that's his voice. Yeah, and I yeah. know because of what I'm going through that this is what he's speaking to me, yeah. you know, and it, it might be a, something as simple as follow me, yeah. you know? And, and, and it's just like that. I, I know God knows where I'm at yeah. and he's not going to leave me there. Yeah. He is going to guide me, help me, deliver me, you know? And, and it's just cool to be able to know that, he hears us. Yeah. He speaks to us, yep. you know, in that still small voice. But like Elijah, you got to be quiet yeah. to hear the voice, you know, to yeah. hear him. Yeah. And, and I think for me so often it's if I'm loud, if I'm moving around doing the thing, you know, all the yeah. stuff, it's really hard to hear when I'm talking so much. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a yeah. good point, too, where you said if I'm loud. I hadn't yeah. considered that before where it's not even just the, the outside things. It's yeah. even what's internally within myself. That's good. Yeah. I think it's important to notice too, that God didn't give Elijah the, the answer right away. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
you know, I think sometimes, especially in spiritual situations, well, the things we identify as spiritual situations, we want God to speak right away. We don't realize that God might be taking care of us <laughs> in a physical way, uh, as he was Elijah, taking care of him physically, preparing him, getting him enough strength, getting him to a point. And, and, and in that moment, you know, I've, I've shared with people before, like, you know, don't discredit that even this conversation we're having as God seeing you that we're having this conversation mm-hmm. don't discredit the fact that mm-hmm. you know god's giving you the ability to to rest tonight or to have food to eat or the energy to keep going that he will bring about what his plan and purposes is, is. He, he's not gonna gonna just leave us kind of drifting in the wind i think hmm. i think there's a lot of fear that we're not valuable enough to god that he doesn't care like hmm. we're just kind of the you know, the, the old Western of that uh, tumbleweed just blowing through the wind. And disposable. Like, yeah. And, and, and we don't have any value. And, and so uh, a story like this just is such a reminder that we are seen and we are, are valuable. Um, I don't, we don't have the time to get into it, but, uh, you know, one of the stories that have impacted my life is, is the, is the uh, process that we went through with my wife and I of adopting a son and, and then he passed away before he could get home. And, uh, I shared a little bit of that before, but, uh, one of the things that we did afterwards, it was really hard. It was, it was one, probably one of the hardest things we had to do was we went down to go visit uh, his birth mom. And, uh, I still remember just letting her, her know that, uh, her son was not forgotten. It was not mm-hmm. unseen, was not, mm-hmm. uh, insignificant, uh, even though he only lived to, to be two years old, uh, that he had value, he had worth, uh, that he meant something. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of us need to know that and to hear that. Uh, I think that story of Elijah, uh, is part that captivates me is because, you know, whether, you know, you're like Mike and you've had those moments of wrestling with that, or you're like Ryan, you haven't had those moments. You both have, because mm-hmm. I have had the moments where we wonder, am I valuable? Am I worth something? Mm-hmm. Does anyone care about me? Um, and we look in human relationships and, and sometimes we start weighing the scales. Maybe I don't value, or maybe I don't have value because of human relationships. But when we look at the scale between God and us, <laughs> it's it's just off the charts because God over and over and over and over and over and over again tells humanity how much he cares and how much he values us. And this story has to be one that it's not just the mountaintop, but it's this 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 moment in the desert as well. And when he does it, it's it's not from an aloof. It's not from how could you be so stupid? It's not from like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, like it's not a cold. I love you, but Mm -hmm. I don't like you that much. It is stop the presses. I'm going to, I'm almost going to stop time and I'm going to put you under a broom tree. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. And, and, and it's just that real relationship because God is real. Yeah. And he's a relational God and he's there and he's present in that moment with you. And he's like, you've always been my kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, are, am I still, there's no, none of that. Yeah. You've always been my kid. Yep. And you might be on a journey right now where you're under the tree and, and, and that's okay. That's, yeah. that's, that's nothing yep. you have to, you have to be ashamed of. There's nothing you have to run from. It's nothing you have to try to toughen it up. You might be under the tree. You might be in the moment where you've got some food in you and you're heading somewhere. You might be in a moment where you're in a cave and you're hearing all these loud things, but you know God's not in that. Or maybe you're in a moment where God's whispering to you and you're starting to see what he's up to. Throughout the journey, no matter where you are in that, 
you can trust that God is, is, is up to something, that God is working, that God cares about you and, he, and he's up to something. And so, uh, you know, unfortunately, the church sometimes praises the Mount Carmel stories. We praise the, the things that God did and, and we clap and we say amen to that. And we sometimes forget that, you know, the, the next chapter can be the lowest of the lows. And the next chapter, we can be under a tree and, and we want to die and we don't want to live anymore. And yet God sees those and, and is there with us. And so, uh, you know what, the, these are the stories that are throughout the entire Bible that are so uh, amazing to me that I could just sit here for a long time mm-hmm. and have this discussion. Mm-hmm. And we can just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk because there's a realness to it, and yet there's a, a revelation of who God is that draws us in, that keeps us coming to say, man, I want to know this God more, and, and I want to I know him in a way that, that is like Elijah, that goes through the ups and the downs, but sees the, the goodness of God and sees the plan that God has. And, and I want to have that rich faith that, that carries me through. And so we want to encourage you in that. Um, you know, if you have someone in your life, uh, just maybe call them up or say, hey, can we get together? Let's just talk about the stories that captivate us about God, because I bet you can have a long conversation about that. Uh, if you're new in the faith and, and you don't know some of these stories, find someone that does and just say, hey, can you tell me about some of these amazing stories? And, and I would encourage you when you tell those stories to, to not just tell them from memory, but to read them. Because sometimes in those stories, we, we add some things to it or we take away some things that, that we shouldn't do that. So you got to be careful just because of the stories that we tell. We got to make sure that they're biblical stories, the, the stories of the Bible. Um, but storytelling has been used from generation to generation to pass on the goodness and the truth of God that we should not lose uh, in our media-saturated lives and our busyness. So uh, let this be a part of your everyday kind of discipleship. Let it be part of the things that captivate you. Uh, Let the Old Testament speak as much as the New Testament. Let relationships be a part of that. Uh, And in all this, know that God sees you, He cares for you, loves you, and He's got something that He's working and plans that He's doing, even if we can't fully grasp it now. If you have any questions or anything we can do, you can email us at info at churchrefuge.com. Uh, we have a website as well at churchrefuge.com, and uh, we, we can pray for you, encourage you in any way. Uh, but hopefully uh, some of these stories of, of God in the Old Testament will captivate you.